I speak to you in the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. I know what you're thinking. It's not Christmas. Why are we hearing about John the Baptist? We always hear about John the Baptist in Advent as Christmas is coming and we hear about prepare the way and Jesus is coming and the birth is coming and it's all great. And we always reference John in our preaching when we talk about the herald and about about anticipation and about waiting and so forth. But today is the day of Saint Jean Baptiste. It's the birth of John the Baptist and so following our lectionary, because Sunday falls right on the day that we mark John the Baptist's birth, that takes precedence. And so today we think about John um, as a character, as a person, as a figure, as a historic figure, as a symbol, um, and as an important piece of the story of God told through our Holy Scriptures. Now, John occupies a very specific place in the story. Um, when I, I, I don't know where I picked this up. This is the problem of growing up in the rectory. I don't know if it's something my dad told me at the dinner table or whether it was Sunday school or a sermon I heard, but it was a consistent message that I heard growing up in the church that John the Baptist was the last of the Old Testament prophets, that this is, this is what he was. And so he was in that tradition and he was the last one because there were no more after that because John was the one that pointed to Jesus who fulfilled the prophecies and created this new way called Christianity. And this is, this is the story. So you had all the Old Testament, the story of Israel and God working with Israel and the prophets correcting Israel and being the word of God to Israel. And then when you look back into those words, you see that there are these anticipations or predictions of the coming of a Messiah. And then the Messiah came, but it wasn't what people thought. It was Jesus. But Jesus was the Messiah that was foretold. And so on we go with the story of Jesus and salvation. So, when, so John the Baptist is this turning point figure where, um, where God is about to do a new thing and it's not like what you thought, but it's, it's the fulfillment of everything that is what has gone before. Now, there are nuances to how we interpret that, that hinge function that John uh, occupies. Um, and certainly, traditionally, the Christians said, we've got the ball now, Jews, and we're running with it. And if you want to be part of the game, you're going to have to come onto our team. And so there was an argument between the early Christians and the Jews of the similar period when the Roman Empire was still pagan about who was the inheritor of God's promises, where the Christians said, Jesus came, it's ours now, you've got to get with the program. And the Jews said, no, that's not what we were looking for. That's not the Messiah that was predicted. It doesn't look like what it said, so we're out. And you guys are a heretical bunch of wannabe Jews, and you're not right. So the two, and the two groups, both being oppressed by the Roman Empire, got nastier and nastier with each other as they were more convinced that they were right and the other one was wrong, that um, some very negative things got said by each group to the other group. Um, and, I mean, I, I remember there was a, uh, a prayer said in, that was a, approved for use in all the synagogues of the time to blot the Christians out of the book of life. Um, and Christians had similar uh, feelings about the Jews, and we got them in our Bible. So if you read the New Testament, you'll see a whole bunch of stuff about those bad Jews who just were not on the, uh, uh, on, on the bandwagon the way they should have been. And then Constantine came along and the empire became Christian and we won. 
And so from then on, the empire was Christian, and if you weren't a Christian, you weren't going to get the good jobs. And the Jews occupied an interesting place in Christian Roman Empire. It was sort of like they were the, they were the retired incumbent, you know. They're not on with the program of what the parish is doing now, but we honor them for their historical role in bringing us to what is happening now. So, um, uh, so they, were, they, they were tolerated to varying degrees, they kept their identity, but they were persecuted at intermittent times. And they, they lived within Europe for over a thousand years as a persecuted minority or a tolerated minority, depending on the place and time. And throughout that period of 1,500 or so years, we had the idea that since John the Baptist, God had done a new thing and the Jews were effectively left behind. And, and even as recently as our 1918 prayer book, no, I think our 1962 prayer book still has it in an appendix, the prayer for the conversion of the Jews an official prayer of the church, which still embodied that tradition. Since John the Baptist, he was the last prophet. He pointed to Jesus. Everything is going this way. And the problem is, historically, when we look at the history of anti-Semitism in Europe, it is inextricably intertwined with Christian theology. And after the gas chambers, the Christians looked at each other and said, you don't think we had anything to do with that, do you? And some of us said, I think we did. So we went back and we looked at our scriptures and we said, ooh, I don't know, oh, oh, that's embarrassing, oh dear. And by the time I got to seminary in the 90s, there was a whole group of people, theologians and others, that swept me up along with them that said that was a big mistake of Christianity. We got it wrong. And a better understanding of the new thing that God did is that God extended the covenant and the promise to a whole new group of people that this covenant and promise to the Jewish people was eternal. In fact, the Bible says it's an eternal covenant with the Jewish people, and that covenant exists to this day. And what God did in Jesus is a new thing, a new covenant, a new spiritual Israel that is extended to the entire world, which is Christianity. But that exists alongside the old covenant, not in conflict with it. And so our relationships with the Jewish people and the Jewish faith ought to be one of children of a common parent, not adversaries for the truth of God. And I'm 100% on that bandwagon. I believe we are children of a common parent, and to this day we have so much more in common than we have dividing us. We are we're products of the same tradition. We share most of the same language. And that, but that reinterpretation, that looking back into our scriptures and saying maybe they didn't mean what we thought it meant, is consistent with what we did originally with John the Baptist proclamation. We, we said, we look back into the scriptures and we go, maybe it didn't mean what we thought it meant. Maybe it can mean something new, at least for us. So this, this position that John the Baptist occupies represents a characteristic way that God works. And there are two elements to this characteristic way that God works. One, God does new things. In fact, when John the Baptist came around and we were looking at Jesus and claiming that God was doing a new thing, we looked back to the Old Testament and we found another example of God doing a new thing. 
And we said, see, God does new things. This is like that. Jesus is like the restoration from exile. So as the Israelites were taken in slavery to Babylon and one day God worked through political machinations in order to bring them back to their own land and, the, and there was great rejoicing, this is like that, except that for all the people that are estranged from God, we're being brought to our true spiritual home and Jesus is the new, the new one who leads us there. And so there's a, there's a pattern here, but God does new things and God has done a new thing. So on the one hand, we have a God who does new things. It's not as if God closes the book and is ever done. That's it. I've stopped. That's not how God works. So God does new things. The other side of it is God's new things are always consistent in character with the things that have gone before. Because not everything that is new is of God. So when we are discerning whether or not God has done a new thing, we must go back to what God has done before and say, maybe this is not what we expected, but is it consistent with what we know about the character of God and what God does? So John the Baptist says God is doing a new thing but it is consistent with the character of God. God always heals and restores and redeems and brings to new life. And that is what God is doing here. So don't get stuck in the old ways that God has done that. God is still doing that and this is the way that God is doing that now. It's the same God that we know and love. So new things, but consistent character. And that for me is the value of John the Baptist and, and, the, and allows me to say, how is that relevant to today? Today, the Christian faith is in as much flux and crisis as it has been at the other major points in Christian history. The last major one was the Reformation. I believe that today, today, the current generation, the current hundred years or so, is a similar period where we are grappling with the developments of modern technical society, secularism, and a completely new world context in a way that has challenged the way we understand our faith. And Christians are going at each other like cats and dogs saying, I'm right and you're wrong. And even within our little Anglican place, we have a great big fight at the global level between the so-called conservatives and so-called liberals. And I don't like those terms, but I'll use them for, as a shorthand. You know what I'm talking about. And the flashpoint is same-sex blessings, but it goes a lot deeper than that. It's about the understanding of Scripture. and It's about understanding how God works and what God does and who God is. And the, the argument always seems to be God is doing a new thing. No, God's not. And then the question is, how do we know? And then, of course, you have the extremists on either sides, where you have people that say God doesn't do anything other than what's written right here, and you have every single new thing that is cool and trendy is totally of God, right? And, and so there, the question is, how do we discern? And that's the point of today's sermon. We look to John the Baptist. We look to the principles that were established in the story of John the Baptist. God does new things, so you're not allowed to say it's never going to happen. It's always possible that God is doing a new thing, even if it's weird and crazy. However, the new thing, is it consistent with what we know about the character of God? Is it about 
liberation? Is it about fullness of life? It is, a, is it about release from oppression and from the powers of sin and death? Those are the criteria. And if it is about that, then we have to say, God is doing a new thing. Listen, can you hear it? Can you smell it? It's happening. And look, it's a new thing, but it's consistent with everything God has done before. God did this, God did that, God did that. God is always liberating, restoring, redeeming, bringing to fullness of life. This is liberating and redeeming and restoring and bringing to fullness of life. Therefore, it is a new thing and it is of God. And so we follow in the steps of John the Baptist. We become the hinge points to say everything that has gone before is true and still is true and carries on being true. And God does new things that, is, that continue to develop in that spirit. So pick your topic. I'm not going to give you the answers because they're just my guesses too. But those are the criteria. That's the conversation we need to have as we struggle with our relationships with other, uh, uh, other, other faith traditions, with, um, uh, with minority sexualities, with, well, what's another hot-button topic? Heck, pick it. Um, politics and religion, you know, all the stuff that's terrifying to talk about but you end up talking about over Thanksgiving with your family anyway, that stuff. Um, and if it gets into the religious conversation, the conversation is, is God doing a new thing and is it consistent with what we know before? In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. We stand and we continue at the bottom of page one of the service booklet. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, 